a large fry, I would get two mediums because that's more than one large fry, but it's not an absurd amount like two large. Yet. But what can you do? I need my fries. Yeah, what can I do? I need my fries. <laughs> you need the fries. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Actually, no, I'm not sorry. No, There's apologize. no need to apologize. Not apologize for that. I mean, you might want to apologize to like your arteries. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> or my toilet later. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. What's up, everybody? Josiah Leroy here. Welcome to Geek Scott Game, the Geek versus All Video Game Podcast. With me today, one very full yet still hungry, Jeff Pavlock. I always got room for more chicken nuggets or French fries, man. So you just crushed ten chicken nuggets and two large fries from McDonald's. That's right. And your logic, you know, as you may have heard, with a great clip before the show started, was that you need you don't want to have two medium fries because that's Essentially, nothing can satisfy you when it comes to McDonald's fries. Well, the way I see it, two medium fries based on their current proportion for McDonald's is the same as one large fry. And that and one large fry ain't enough for me. If a medium fry was like, say, 75% of a large fry, I would get two because that would be more fries than just one large fry. And I'd be cool with that. But it, it ain't enough for me. I'm a, I'm a growing boy. What can I say? That's the kind of level of math that you and I understand as math B people. I've been told in the past by people that I have the metabolism of a hyena, and I really hope I keep that up, because if I didn't, I'd be putting on some pounds eating this way. If it ever shuts off, you're Yeah, going. oh, I'm done. Yeah. If it ever, and it's probably, and if it does shut off, it's going to happen in the blink of an eye. Mine's like slowing it, down a bit. Oh, it's, oh no. It's not, like, crazy, but, like, I definitely have to be more conscious of what I eat. Yeah, is, I'm not at that point yet, but uh, I'm going I'm to enjoy it while it lasts. It's a little bit frustrating. You know, I like having that freedom, but it's okay. You know, got to make some choices here. So we are not here to talk about food and diets and all that. We are talking about video games. I'm excited about this show, Pavlok. You know why? Why? Because we have a lot of good stuff to get to. That good stuff is always good stuff to talk about. Good stuff to talk about. As we always start off, Geek Scott Game, what is in your system? First of all, I don't think much has changed for either of us in the last Probably not, no. Um, what You want to go first or me? Why don't you go first? I okay. feel like I've gone first the last few times. That's, that's fair. I could be completely wrong about that. Like, we could listen to the last couple episodes and it's been you every time. Uh, Yeah, maybe. Possibly. <laughs> I think I always go to you. That'd be funny. But I've got uh, Kingdom Hearts 3. Right. So if you see the Geekiverse uh, posting funny or, you know, what I think are funny memes uh, regarding Kingdom Hearts and its confusing story, that's from me. Uh, I am enjoying it very much. I'm 34 hours in, and I've only done the main story. I've not veered from the main path. I have conquered just about every world. I just did the one from Big Hero 6, which was a freaking blast. That's probably a really cool one. Very, very cool. And I uh, love that movie. I am... Fun fact, I never saw that movie. Oh, really? Kind of surprising. You would like it. It's a very, very funny movie. That's uh, that's what I gather. It's one, of the, it's one of the more underrated ones from the last decade or so. I, I could see that. Uh, so I, I finished all the main worlds and I'm on to one of like the 35 boss fights that end the game. Um, and it's a lot like, I just described this to a buddy. It's a lot like return of the King. You think it's ending and then there's just another ending and then another and then another. So here we are, but very good game. I'm only playing one other game currently because of my schedule and you have to go back to the original Xbox to find this one. Oh, one of the games with gold games from last month, Star Wars Jedi Knight Jedi Academy. 
I never played this game. This may shock a lot of people. It's a whole new world for you, huh? Whole new world, and uh, I am really enjoying this. Like, it's clearly dated, but I will say this. Kudos to the team over at Xbox on the up-res job here. It doesn't look like... I mean, it looks like an old game, but it's it doesn't make your eyes bleed. You ever go back to an old game and you're like, oh my gosh, how, oh, did, I, sure. how did I look at this? It looks really good, uh, especially for a game that came out in 2003. So, really enjoying Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy. If uh, if you don't know, that is based... Uh, it's a third and first person shooter, even though some of the time you handle a lightsaber. And uh, it is now obviously no longer canon, but you uh, you play the, the role of a up-and-coming Jedi named Jaden Kor, and you can choose kind of like Mass Effect, what kind of character you want to be, whether you want to be light or dark through your actions, and uh, male, female, different species, all that good stuff. And you're being trained at Luke Skywalker's Jedi Temple uh, by Luke and Kyle Katarn, beloved former member of the Expanded Universe. So I, uh, I've really enjoyed that. I think that was a really nice Games with Gold perk there, and I love that you can go back and play those original games. Not that I have to all the time, but that is where I'm spending my time. So, Jeff, where where are your gaming hours being spent right now? Well, I just did something pretty cool in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Okay. I just hit Elite Smash. Did you really? Yes, online. Dang. Uh, I, I honestly I didn't even realize I was approaching it based on my uh, online score, and I, I knew I was getting cl- I, like I kind of knew I was uh, approaching that point because it's. It changes, you know, month to month. Like when the game first launched, the score that was like the scoring threshold was significantly lower than it was now. So it's going to continue climbing, which means you're going to have to continue playing and continue winning um, consistently in order to stay in that uh, that ranking. Um, but I, you know, I got into there, and it's neat because the way Super Smash Brothers Ultimate's uh, like general scoring system works is that you have like an average based on like your lowest, like the character you've played like the least with, and then the player, like the character you've played the most with. If you're doing elite smash, you can only play those, you know, highest rank matches with the single character you're, um, you, you can actually get in with. So like, for example, I, I, my main character lately is Zelda. She's the one I've been playing with a lot online, and she was the one who I broke into the Elite Smash ranking with. I can't go to, like, say, Ike or Young Link, two other characters who I play a lot as, because I haven't reached a scoring threshold with them yet. So if I play Elite Smash, I can only use Zelda in those, you know, highest ranked matches against the, you know, highest ranked um, other players online. So you've made some some big progress. Yes, it's <laughs> some dedicated time. It's it's fun. Man. It's uh, this Smash Brothers Ultimate is really the definitive version for the fighting mechanics of Super Smash Brothers. Um, otherwise, I've been playing Wargroove, which okay. I said in the last episode I downloaded. Mm-hmm. Um, I I am just consistently impressed by that game for being a twenty dollar download and just how much content is jam packed into it. It's got a pretty meaty story mode. Um, it's got an arcade mode where you just play as one of the commanders through like a series of different um, battles and things like that. There's a map maker mode where you can then upload your maps online, share them with friends, use them in multiplayer. There's local multiplayer, online multiplayer, tons of unlockables and collectibles based on like uh, soundtracks and uh, original artwork. You know, you, you flash a twenty dollar bill and you're getting more content out of this game than a lot of sixty dollar you know, physical releases. 
And it's good content. Oh, yeah. It's a very, very fun strategy game. Very tra- challenging, too. Especially if you're playing on like the harder difficulty levels, you really got to be careful with your movements. All too often these days, I'm I'm a little scared off by, I guess, deeper games, whether they're AAA releases or more indie titles. Um, but if, if the quality's good, I don't care how big the game is. You know, if you are a fan of Fire Emblem or Advanced Wars, I cannot recommend the game anymore to you. That puts it's, it in perspective a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think, you know, especially for Nintendo fans, if you were ever a fan of those two franchises, you would really like this game, so I definitely recommend it. Good game to take on the go? Oh, for sure. Uh, well, you know what? Honestly, I, I was I was thinking about that, actually. I was kind of laughing at it because I always associate, like, the indie games, you know, and again, indie is not necessarily the most accurate word for this but like the smaller games the downloadable games i always associate them with being like pick up and play games you know very short punchy kind of action wargroove is a game that you kind of need to dedicate yourself to if you if you're going to play it extensively um like the other day for example i played and it was an early mission actually i think it was only like the fifth or sixth mission in the game it took me almost an hour to complete Oh geez. So some of the missions can definitely take you a while. It's not one that you can just necessarily pick up for ten minutes and get the same. It's not like say like Tetris. Like Tetris, you could pick up for ten minutes and you could experience just about the same kind of thing as you would a two-hour session. Right. Wargroove, you you may have to you know make a commitment to it if you're going to experience the whole thing. So maybe good for on the fly, but on a road trip. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um. So anything else? going on currently for you gaming wise uh i popped uh what do you call it minish cap legend of zelda minish cap from my original game boy advance i'm just re- i'm gonna go on a zelda spree the next couple months this is something i've had planned for a while there's a bunch of zelda games i wanted to replay and i really wanted to do it this summer because i thought oh summer's gonna be a really quiet time of year for video games and then the nintendo direct comes out where they tell me that marvel ultimate alliance 3 fire emblem three houses damon x machina uh astral chain and there's one other game I'm forgetting. What's the fifth game for the summer that's releasing? I don't remember. Darn. Oh, uh, Super Mario Maker 2 are all releasing this summer. So I said, okay, if I'm ever going to replay these Zelda games, I have to do them like this spring now where it's yeah. actually a little quieter on the release front. Time's fleeting, man. Yep. It's, uh, we're getting closer there. I can't wait for Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Um, yeah. what, what, was there a month given for that or just general? It's just the release window of the summer. So that's going to do well on the heels of Endgame, i got to imagine. Uh, hype is going to be huge again for the uh, Avengers franchise as a whole, let alone Marvel. I could see them dropping it around, like, say, Far From Home's release. Yeah, probably. I think Because obviously they're not going to hit Endgame in April or no. May, but I could see them maybe trying to line it up with Far From Home. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, we wanted, You heard from us what we're playing. We want to know what you're playing. Uh, what are you playing in your Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, PC, whatever it may be. Uh, drop us a comment at facebook.com slash thegeekiverse. You can learn a lot from a person based on what games they play. That's very true. You might be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> so Or mortified. Or mortified. That's <laughs> one, very true. One of the two. Um, for March, a uh, a nice release schedule here. Uh, we've got some some nice names coming out. Um, this is a funny game to me. Toe Jam and Earl. Have you heard of this? Oh yeah. Did you know? Do you know who's involved? Are you talking like developer wise, publishing wise? Like, I don't know to what degree they're involved. I I don't. I want to say for some reason they. <laughs> oh, it's a they. You say oh, it's a person. Okay. Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> okay. No, I didn't. Big I... fan of the 
uh, earlier games or the earlier time in the franchise, I should say. I had no idea they had, he had anything to do with about this. It, and he is a big fan. Uh, more on that. <laughs> but More uh, power to him. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. This week, Devil May Cry 5. That's a big release. Yeah. Uh, this was announced last E3, coming out for PS4, Xbox One, and PC, March 8th. Looks like a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Looks like a lot of fun. Definitely. Uh, it looks like it'll scratch that action itch if if you have one, I guess, at this point. I mean, like the re kind of like rebootish game they did a few years back, like DMC, where it was like young Dante without the white hair. Yep. That was still very good. It's just that I didn't like it cause that 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 you know design of Dante wasn't Dante to me, and I still think it's a little weird that they're doing Devil May Cry Five with. Uh, Nero and you know Dante's not necessarily the single vocal character but um, everything we've seen from the demonstrations looks outstanding the action looks fantastic yeah I really can't wait to get my hands on that one and I'm waiting to see some early reviews on it but um, I gotta imagine it'll do well hopefully March 15th a big one for shooters uh, The Division 2 PS4 Xbox One and PC I know Adam Hur will be playing that religiously. I was just about to mention him. <laughs> I always think of Adam when I hear uh, the division. Uh, looks looks great. The the first one kind of had a tough start and then built up a nice following. So hopefully they ride that momentum into this one. Uh, March twenty two was a big one for me as well. Sek- Sekiro Shadows Die Twice for PS four, Xbox One, and PC. Uh, I've heard it described in numerous fashions, one being kind of a Dark Souls light game. Uh, and that might be a good jumping point for me, someone who's never played uh, a Dark Souls game. Uh, I'm very intrigued by this one ever since we saw the first trailer on it. Uh, I'm not quite sure if that's going to be a day one purchase for me, but that's my pick of the month. Uh, that is the one that I feel uh, right now without having any sort of critical, uh, I guess, I guess reviews. No reviews, no scores, anything like that. That's the one that I'm going with. I'd put my stamp on. Uh, Devil May Cry for you? Yeah, I, honestly, it's it's a coin flip, man, because I'm also really, really intrigued by Sekiro. Um, it's got that kind of Dark Souls combat, but we have seen that there's a lot more wrinkles to the gameplay than just combat. There, you know, there's some stealth elements there. Looks like there's a little bit of platforming, maybe a little bit of puzzle solving. It's like um, a fun story too. It, it's well, mo- I don't say fun, but right. interesting story. I, I mean, I love the premise. Yeah, I, I, I love the setting. You know, that feudal era Japan kind of stuff, Japanese mythology and folklore. Um, but then putting in that you know Dark Souls kind of um, combat in there. Oh, that could be a great combination there. Yeah, I um I hope it's well balanced between all the different gameplay varieties you just mentioned as well as the story and I think you've got a winner there. And I, that is a game that screams to me that it'll pick up momentum over time shortly after release. Where it's like maybe there's not a ton of hype around it, but once it comes out and people realize hopefully that it's a good game, it uh, it'll build a lot like Bloodborne did. Yeah, Bloodborne. Bloodborne came out and then people just took the ball and ran with it for that one and really just the whole soul series got started that way because the original dark souls released without a ton of hype behind it um and then you know it snowballed from there you know word of mouth spread that this this game's amazing yeah and now years later it's a you know it's a blooming franchise uh, it's doing well the genre as a whole has, has definitely become popular uh, but let us know what your pick of the month is. What game are you most looking forward to? Again, drop us a line at facebook.com slash thegeekiverse. On to our next segment, Honoring the Past. Uh, so we're going to go back 20 years in gaming all the way to March 1999 and look at uh, a few releases here. I think none bigger probably. Well, actually, I don't know. 
What would you say? It, dep- it depends on who you're talking to. I feel like you uh, there. <laughs> let me say the line would be split very, very distinctly between. I would say, well, I'm, no, I don't think we're, I think we're on the same page here. March 21st or March 31st. I'm not talking about you and me. I'm just talking about people in general. Uh, I got you. I, I know what I'm picking. Look, crazy. Look, look I, look, I love both of the things we're about to mention here. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> okay. I, I do prefer one over the other, but I absolutely adore both of these games that we're going to mention so we're gonna here. We're going to start with the, the, the heavy hitters here. March 21st, uh, we'll go chronological. Pokemon Snap for the N64 uh, I remember seeing this everywhere. I did not have an N64 as a kid. I had a PlayStation 1, and um, that it was popular. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's released right at the height of the Pokemon craze. It There really wasn't a game like that for Pokemon up to that point. I mean, especially as, as a little kid, you know, you wanted to do everything with Pokemon. So you wanted to be more than just playing the card game and capturing and battling them. You wanted to be like you were the real photographer taking pictures of a Charizard, jumping out of the lava pits and all that stuff. It's almost it a, uh, one, a sign of what was to come with, with Pokemon. Uh, not that Pokemon ever was not popular, but with what we've seen with Pokemon Go in the last few years. I still can't believe we've never gotten a sequel to that, especially on like Wii U. Like everyone, It would have like, been tailor-made. Like, right. Like when Wii U first was announced, everyone's like, okay, this is the system that gets us the Pokemon Snap sequel. You know, the, yeah. the, the gamepad is just perfect for that, and we still haven't gotten even a whiff of it. Kind of amazing, really. But uh, one of those games, hopefully, that uh, circles around again at some point. March 31st, uh, this uh, big, a, a tycoon, one might say. Oh, uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon. <laughs> uh, and released later on uh, t- Xbox for 2003. Uh, big deal. Every, oh, yeah. every, not much to say about it. Everyone's played a little Roller Coaster Tycoon in their lives. Every kid played that game at some point. You had a friend that had it. It was a. You, maybe you borrowed it from a friend, but it, it, it was always around yeah uh if you liked gaming if you didn't like gaming it was something you played and probably spent a lot of time on <laughs> that's uh that's a time cruncher right there i was terrible at making the actual roller coasters but for whatever reason I, I i always had very successful parks like just based on like the other amusements and rides like i could organize and lay out a really really neat theme park but the actual roller coaster designs i made were about as bland as they got so it was a good layout just the rides were sure. super yeah, exciting. Yeah, exactly <laughs> That's okay. Um, in terms of other games that month, uh, <laughs> I look at March first. Gex three. Oh jeez. I feel like um, I feel hold like on. Seth would have played that. Is that the one that hit? Hold on, I gotta see. Look at a picture. Was- oh, okay, there's there was one Gex game where the cover was a parody of Stone Cold Steve Austin from WWE. Oh yeah, it's yeah. Gex with the vest on. He's standing on the turnbuckle, raising his arms. I didn't know if this was it or not, but that's maybe that's the second one. Then I would wager to say he, Seth played that. I don't know why it screams him. I, I um, can see that. I did not realize it was also N64. I thought it was just PlayStation One. Uh, EverQuest, a big name, and then uh, March 18th. This was kind of. Uh, one that I forgot about, Um Jammer Lammy. So PlayStation fans, you know what I'm talking about if you had a PS1. Uh, this was the kind of um, the follow-up to Parappa the Rapper. So yeah, basically you'd hit buttons in sequence, and where Parappa the Rapper would rap, Um Jammer Lammy, you'd, you'd be playing music. So uh, kind of fun as the, the X, Circle, Square, and Triangle buttons came across the screen. That was a demo I think I played a lot of. <laughs> I always played a lot of PlayStation demos back in the day. Yeah. Uh, fast forward oh. 10 years. So we're going to go to 2009. Okay. And we were just talking about how there were like, <laughs> what, eight or nine releases in total? Yeah. In, just, in, in that March. 
now we see it kind of explode. There's like that many on March 3rd, 2009 alone. The, you know, the disparity in releases between just 10 years. You know, what a different market. What a different industry. <laughs> so this was interesting to me, but March 9th, Tomb Raider Underworld. So Tomb Raider had some kind of down years there for a bit. Uh, and it came out for PS2. And it seems like that was a lifetime ago. But sure enough, it, it did come out for PlayStation 2. Um, Tom Clancy's Hawks. So that was aerial-based. That was PS3 and Xbox 360. Uh, let's see here. A Watchmen game, which is kind of interesting. Going down the list. Uh, March 11th, this is a big one. Peggle on the Xbox Live Arcade. Yeah. That is a game that still hangs around. I want to say you can get it on Xbox Games Pass. I'm not 100% sure on that, but that's... Um, that's one of my favorite games from the Xbox Live Arcade. One of the early pioneers, I, I guess you would say. That was a fun one. Of the Xbox Live Arcade there. You think of games like Peggle, uh, like Limbo, yeah. Braid, 100%. stuff like that. March 13th, you know, I'll let you speak to this one a little bit more. Uh, for PS3 and Xbox 360, Resident Evil 5. Ah, yes, the game where Chris Redfield did an ungodly amount of steroids. Uh, <laughs> For those who don't know, Chris Redfield was just ridiculously jacked in this game, and he was never like that in the in the older Resident Evil games, which in which he appeared, he just gained about a hundred pounds of muscle mass then, for this game. You know how he did it? How? Uh, I heard every time bef- he had a podcast. Yeah. Every time before he podcasted, he ate two large Wait, McDonald fries. Chris orders. Redfield was podcasting. He, he was. Okay. Yes. Not shooting zombies in the head and saving the world from biological... Pavlov, he couldn't be doing that all the time. Okay. I mean, all right. Jeez, uh, you think uh, a guy just... Uh, I'll take your word for it. You should. So Resident Evil 5, uh, yeah. it's, um, I would say in the, in the scheme of fan reaction, that was kind of a middle of the road. It is. It's a very polarizing game. You know, that's the follow-up to the just absolutely lauded Resident Evil 4. Do you think that was part of the problem? Yes and no. I mean, the, the problems that Resident Evil 5 had could have easily been avoided um it had an interesting setting you know they go to africa um there were some cool boss fights and stuff like that but the 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 issue that a lot of fans take with it is that it really did away with the survival horror elements like even more so than resident evil 4 did like the most actiony of the series yeah resident evil 5 is uh, there's very little horror elements and it's either it's gameplay and even it's aesthetics it's almost just a straight action game um and granted it's a very well-made action game it's just that it doesn't have really any kind of horror feel to it, either in its gameplay or in its um, themes, its setting, its its imagery. Where Maybe it, you call it a different name, and it's a it's more yeah, well received, right? Sure. I mean, like if you don't like if it's not Resident mm-hmm. Evil, if it's like a brand new IP, pro- pe- people probably love it a lot more. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, <laughs> and. I think it may have been more appreciated if fans knew what was coming next with uh, Resident Evil 6. I mean, honestly, I do think why you that's you know, the game is not, I wouldn't say beloved, but it's I would say its reputation has definitely improved over the years thanks to Resident Evil 6. I would agree with that. Because people look back at it and said, okay, maybe this doesn't feel like Resident Evil, but at least it's competent. At least, it's, <laughs> at least it plays well. Not a bad game. Yeah. No. Just, yeah. Um, I didn't know this existed. We talked about it beforehand. March 18th, 2009, Metal Gear Solid Touch. So mobile gaming was really not huge yeah, at those this are the, point. Those are the baby days of it. Um, so I, I got to imagine Seth knows that exists. But that's that's kind of interesting. He's, he's a resident Metal Gear fan here at the Geekiverse. Uh, but that was one that caught my eye. Uh, we talked about... P- 
PSP, uh, Resistance Retribution. And then uh, another one that I wanted to mention was March 29th, Guitar Hero Metallica. So this is kind of the end of the the music gaming scene. Uh, the following year, we'd get Rock Band Green Day, which is one of my favorite music games ever. But Guitar Hero Metallica, that was a tough one because that was not a game for a wide audience. It was a very targeted group of music fans. And I think a lot of Metallica fans probably didn't cross over into gaming in in a broad sense. Just a broad sense. I'm not going very specific here. But uh, that game was not super well received. It's one of the few I have not played in the Guitar Hero franchise. And uh, it was the first one to introduce the double bass pedal. So the left pedal essentially for the drum set. And then eventually you could do that for Rock Band and you could order another one and hook it up and you had to get this adapter and everything. Uh, Fun times. But it came out for PS2... PS3, Wii, and Xbox 360. Uh, Pavlik, was there anything else on the list that you wanted to mention? Uh, yeah, March 10th caught my eye because that was Mad World for the original Wii. Um, that was a very fun, very underrated little game. Um, oh, see, I entirely- thought we were going to talk about Grey's Anatomy. Well, no, 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 no not quite that. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I especially wanted to bring up Mad World because the main character was voiced by Steve Bloom. Who oh. you and I interviewed together at Nickel City Con cool. last year? Yeah, um, he was the voice actor for that. That was a that was a really neat game. Um, the literally all the in-game visuals were black, white, and red. And when I say black and white, I'm not talking like gray. I mean literally black and white. Like it almost looked like a comic book. Like if you want, if you pull up a screenshot, you'll see what I mean. And then the only other color um, in the gra- in the you know the graphics was red from the just outrageous amounts of blood from the game because it was a beat-em-up and like the like the the weaker enemies you would just absolutely rip them to shreds so there's just the violence was outrageous it was over the top um and that's why some people thought it might be a little bit of a, you know, just like a simple kind of dumbed down kind of game as it turned out though there were some really really cool boss fights in it a surprisingly neat story you know for a game like that you would never think that there would be an you know an intricate narrative but there was um so it's fun. It, it definitely was trying to grab like the aesthetic of Frank Miller's Sin City, that you know, just you know, black white kind of noir kind of look. It was it was fun. When you were describing it, that's what kind of popped into my head actually. Yeah, that uh, and main character has a, a chainsaw attached to attached to his arm. That was his main weapon. All right, all right. It was a cool game. Like I said, definitely underrated. Uh, the only other one then from March. Uh, what date are we looking at here? Uh, I can't find that, but we do know that um, Grand Theft Auto Chinatown Wars was oh, on the yes. original DS. I skipped over that one. Which, if I'm not mistaken, that was the first Grand Theft Auto game on any Nintendo system up to that point. I believe you're correct on that. And I think it's still that case, isn't it? Uh, I want to say there was one other smaller game. Okay, but yeah, I definitely remember that was that was the first one at the time. That's I mean, that's a big deal, and this was well yeah. received. Oh, it's a very good game. Um, so, lots, you know, lots of titles came out March two thousand nine. We kind of picked apart some of our favorites there. Uh, moving on to the news report, uh, we've got some nice items to talk about this week. But before we do that, want to give a quick plug. Uh, if you like what we do here at the Geekiverse, if you like reading our content, listening to us on the podcast, and uh, viewing our videos at youtube.com/slash the Geekiverse. 
You can subscribe to us on patreon.com slash the geekiverse. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. There, there are different levels to which you can subscribe. It's a monthly subscription. You can unlock exclusive rewards and perks just for being a subscriber. And of course, you have our endless gratitude for taking the time uh, and money to do that. So check that out again. That's patreon.com slash the geekiverse. So on the news report this week, we have eight items uh, that we've kind of whittled it down to just from the, the last few weeks here. Number one on the list, Overkill's The Walking Dead has been canceled. That's so a, That's a bummer. It is a bummer. Um, this game was in development since 2014. Uh, I was able to meet some of the developers at E3 this past uh, summer, and we played the game. Adam and I did. Played it with two strangers. We had a blast. It was. Uh, it felt like a. It was a little bit outdated, but at the same time, I think they had some of the mechanics down. It also felt like a a, a distant spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead 2. So disappointing news. Uh, Skybound Entertainment, who oversees the Walking Dead license, uh, released a statement for it and. Basically, it reads, as of today, we have terminated our contract with Starbreeze Studios and will discontinue all efforts on what overkills The Walking Dead. Our creators and their stories are the core of Skybound, and since 2014, we have worked hard to expand the world of The Walking Dead into an exceptional co-op action FPS. We did our best to work with Starbreeze and resolve many issues that we saw with the game, but ultimately, Overkills The Walking Dead did not meet our standards, nor is it the quality that we were promised. We are exceedingly sorry to our fans and share their disappointment in the game. We remain dedicated to providing our fans with the most premium quality content we can offer and will continue to look for alternative video game options for the IP. So, it is available on PC. That came out in November. Xbox One, PS4 versions canceled and support uh, has been discontinued for the PC version. According to IGN, there is a peak concurrent player count of just 307 players. So, that's a bummer. All yeah, no, you you hate to see something that people work on for literally years on end just you know tossed away like that. It's that hurts. It's a lot of time put in too. Yeah, you put a, yeah, you pour your heart and your soul into something. Tough year no, for never uh, fun. Walking Dead. Never fun. Yeah, Telltale. Just yeah, I know if you're a f- fan of Walking Dead video games. Yeah, not some not very good. unfortunate news. So hope the last uh, couple months. You know, hope everyone gets to kind of. Move on from that. Hope everyone gets to keep their job over at uh, at the studio there. Yes, that's most important. Uh, that's definitely most important. And uh, we're thinking about you guys. Number two, uh, Microsoft is rumored to be releasing a new, or revealing a new Xbox at E3. So according to French site Joie Video. Hold Joie on, Video. Hold on, hold on. What's the name of that place? Joie Video. Joie Video. Via Google Translate. Uh, Project Scarlet is going to be a family of next-gen Xbox hardware and will be revealed at E3 2019. The site claims that rumors... Excuse me. The site claims the rumors that Scarlet consists of two platforms are also true. Additionally, uh, this is kind of interesting to me. It says the rumored partnership between Nintendo and Microsoft will further be explored. Yeah, that is such a funny little... What a great tidbit that's been yeah brewing the last few weeks. 
they kind of teamed up here and were like, hey, I don't, yeah, Tony, I, you don't want to play? All right. You know, I, I really have no idea if that's actually ever going to come to fruition, but it, it's just amusing to consider the possibilities. But how about Xbox Live coming to, to yeah. Nintendo Switch? Like, that's kind of insane. Right. So it works out for Nintendo because now they're saying, hey, you can play these Xbox games on our system. And... I mean, it, it's not it's not going to be quite the same experience, but it it's one more thing to offer, and right. it works for Microsoft because now you got to subscribe to Xbox Live if you're on the Switch. So, uh, I I would put stock in this rumor. If I don't feel like this generation's over, but no, um, not yet. If these release by the end of 2020, it makes sense to me. And I think this is the opportune time to do it with Sony ducking out of E3. I mean, look, if you're Nintendo and Microsoft. The, the entire Get the it, top rope. yeah the entire indus, industry's media is going to be focused on you two take advantage of that limelight that's free advertising in a way at least some space is freed up uh, additionally halo infinite will reportedly launch alongside the new consoles in addition to newly acquired ninja theory their uh the studio from microsoft will be releasing a game in early 2020 which would be the rumors are for Xbox One, but um, again, these are all rumors at this point. Uh, it, it all makes sense. It's very exciting times uh, to be uh, a gamer in general, let alone an Xbox fan. Where am I going next? Oh, uh, number three, Anakin Skywalker is now available to play in Star Wars Battlefront 2. This is the uh, Star Wars Episode Three version of Anakin. So kind of the long hair going on there. Um do his stats get buff when he? Sorry, get nerfed when he's on the the lower ground, or <laughs> how, how, how does that work? If there's like a character standing on a ledge, is like do his stats immediately like drop in game? How how does that work? Is there a buff for a character standing on on a hill or something like that? There is. Okay. Um, it's it's really weird because anytime it happens, he automatically just screams, "You underestimate my power!" That's, I don't know. It that, that, that's a weird glitch. What the heck? It is a weird glitch, huh. but. I don't know how many points it costs, um, but you have to, if the other characters like Obi-Wan that they just released are any indication, you got to save up some currency, some in-game currency, that is. So I'm not, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, you're saying it put you need to put a lot of hours in. You got to put a this, lot huh? of time. You basically got to exclusively play Battlefront day in, day out. Oof. Um, and it's a fun game. Right, no, I, I don't say oof but as a negative of the game. I just mean that's, that's a commitment. We also talked about pre-show. Maybe they should unlock the ability for you to purchase these characters or or their different outfits. Maybe just anything aesthetics. Yes. Something that's not going to give you an advantage in the game per se. Um, yeah, superficial stuff. I, I feel like you should always yeah be able to purchase, depending on you know what it is. I can understand some unlockables, but like you're saying, if it takes that much time just to get a costume, let people buy it. The scaling is not. Not good <laughs> in, in terms of points. Um, so that's kind of a bummer, but it is what it is. Uh, go play Star Wars Battlefront 2. Uh, I would love to play with you, actually. If you play on Xbox, let me know. Uh, I am just pulling up the Xbox games with gold. I don't know why I didn't have this pulled up here. Bear with me for one second here. I'm surprised you usually have like 15 different tabs open on your oh, computer. Apparently, once. I only have 14 right now. Only four. <laughs> well, you do, you do like the number 14, though. I do like the number 14. That's that's an inside joke. Go read the uh, letter to the editor. Sorry, letter from the editor of 2018 on the Geekverse yeah, website. That's, uh, it's always been a number for Josiah me. Josiah explains it. 
So not the, not the strongest lineup. However, one very exciting release for me. Uh, but we'll start with uh, Adventure Time Pirates of the Enchiridion. I can't, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, Planes vs. Zombies Garden Warfare 2. <laughs> uh, Metal I, love the, Gear. I love those games. I, yeah, those are, those are fun to play. Metal Gear Rising Revengeance came out to mixed reviews. And Star Wars Republic Commando, which I'm very excited about. Um, that was an original Xbox game. So I've not played that one either. That's two original Xbox games that are coming to Games with Gold that I've not played. Thank you, Microsoft. You guys are awesome. I'm imagining you didn't play them either. I did not, no. <laughs> not a long shot I to say. I did not, no. Moving on to item number five, the PS Plus games of the month. So I, like Xbox, all you got to do is have a subscription, go and download the games, and even if you're not going to play them right away, they'll sit in your library. Two very good games. Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered. Uh, so this is in full 4K display, by the way. Also, The Witness which was one of the very, very popular games in 2016. Uh, that one was from Jonathan Blow. He also made Braid back in 2008. Those are free for you to download on your PlayStation 4 from March 5th to April 1st. Go get them. Trust me, you will not be upset. We don't have much to say on, on bullet point number six here, but it is a big game in the streaming community. So Friday the 13th is coming to Nintendo Switch. Uh, this was a game that kind of felt like it's, uh, it wasn't going to be a, a good release. And I'm not even sure it is a good video game per se, but it is a popular video game. Uh, so Nintendo Switch owners, you can enjoy that very shortly. Number seven on the list, we uh, it, another Xbox rumor. It seems like we're going to get a disc-less Xbox One. Ah. It's very hard to say. So it'll be cheaper. Right. Because you're not going to have the disc in there right. or the hard drive. Right, right. Um, and I would imagine that comes out maybe just in time for E3 or maybe it's even unveiled at E3. When you buy games, do you still go physical or do you go digital or does it depend on what it, you're picking up? It's very rare that I go digital. It has to be either a crazy, crazy good sale um, or you know, or a game that only is digital. But for the most part, I'm just I'm super sentimental about video games. I gotta I gotta have it. I gotta have the physical disc and the 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 case to hold and stack on you know my bookshelf or something like that. Me too. I I'm typically that way. But if there's a good deal that I can't pass up, right, I'm gonna do it. Sure. Or maybe a game that I'm not like super sold on. Yeah. And um, I can get a good sale on it. That's when I'll do that. A lot of it also is that, you know, with the advent of Amazon Prime, I don't have to go, I don't have to leave my house to get a physical game anymore. I could pre-order it and I get it, mo you know, most of the time on release day. Yeah. Yeah, that's so another thing like to consider. You don't even have to necessarily walk into a store to grab no, a game. not at all. Uh, I think that's a nice option for people who don't care about physical media. Mm -hmm. the, the Xbox One there. Uh, so more news on that probably in the coming weeks, if not. As we get closer to E3. Which is going to come up very, very quickly. I was going to say, man, we're in March. Um, it's going <laughs> to be within that's, yeah. almost exactly three months away. All right, that's going to be here before we know it. Better get planning. Uh, number eight, I'm going to leave to you on the list. They, uh, a new Pokemon Oh yeah. Uh, recently announced. Yeah, uh, Nintendo had their own direct for it. Uh, we're a collaboration with Game Freak, who develops the games, and the Pokemon Company, the the three major companies that uh, control the Pokemon IP. Uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield is the you know long 
um, announced 3D Pokemon game for the Switch. We first heard about this all the way back at E3 2017, but we didn't even know a name. We didn't see any screenshots, anything like that. We just knew that there was a 3D Pokemon uh, in development for the Switch, like a mainline entry, um, one of the mothership entries in the series. So they just revealed that. Um, we don't know a ton of details about it. We saw like who the three starters are going to be. Um, we saw that it's a brand new region, so it's going to have a brand new story, all that, some brand new Pokemon as well. Uh, it, I, I'm really intrigued by the setting of the story. This brand new region is called the Galar region. It looks like it's based off of England. Um, there's a few different cities that have really tall clock towers that are just very reminiscent of Big Ben. If you look at the map that they released of the official art, it looks exactly like the con- like sorry, well, I almost just said continent, the island that is England. <laughs> um, there's you know monorails across the countryside. Uh, some like the the buildings, especially. There's one town that's like a brick and mortar. Um, town where you could see uh, it has like a almost like an industrial revolution kind of look to it there's you know steam engines uh, blowing smoke and steam all over the place Um, wheels grinding everywhere it I'm really really intrigued by the setting that we have it's so different from the last main Pokemon game which was Sun and Moon which the Alola region was um, obviously based on like a tropical region kind of like a Hawaii kind of vibe to it and now we're going to a more uh like I said, it's it's kind of looks like it's based on like the United Kingdom and the British Isles. Exciting times indeed for uh, not just Nintendo fans but Pokemon fans yeah. all around. I, I love the art design that they got for this game. I'm I'm really intrigued then to see how how ambitious it is. It is. Are, you know, are we going to still have like narrow linear paths, or is it going to be you know full blown Breath of the Wild kind of style open world? We, yeah, we, I, we, I'm intrigued to see. Time yeah. will tell on that. Uh, for our community discussion this week, uh, we asked two questions. Uh, we like to involve members of the Facebook uh, Geekiverse community. You can get involved by going to facebook.com slash the Geekiverse and answering our questions. Uh, we'd love to chat with you. So we asked, when gaming, do you play with inverted or non-inverted controls and why? And is there a game that forced you into that habit? Uh, Ryan writes in, I play inverted. Back on PS2, Red Faction was inverted and I could never figure out how to switch. <laughs> Been playing that way ever since. Uh, Brendan Van Allen, our friend from Community Beer Works. I play with the standard controls that come with the game. Okay. Uh, the only time I ever messed with it was with SNES Star Fox because they seemed messed up. But then when I went inverted, the flight controls just sucked more. <laughs> well. <laughs> well then, tell us how you really feel. Uh, Pavlak, how do you play? Honestly, it it can vary. I, I feel like That's I... Pre- interesting. I... I <laughs> I feel like I just prefer normal, but there, there have definitely been games where it, you know what it is? I, I think like Brandon said, it all depends on what the default is because once I pick it up and get you know accustomed to it, I'm just, I'm going to stick with it. So Star Fox, I played inverted. Right. I got used to it and then I jumped into, in Kingdom Hearts, there's space combat mm-hmm. and um, it's not inverted and I'm struggling. Right. It's interesting. Like... Even though I haven't played Star Fox in a while and I've been playing Kingdom Hearts so much, still haven't kind of gotten my mind around that. Right. Um, The other question we asked, which is going to lead into our bigger discussion today, in the Nintendo Switch's first two years, what has been your favorite game and why? Uh, Rich writes in, Mario Kart 8 for sure. Folks of all ages can play it easily, and it's hilariously fun. I agree 1,000% with that. Of course you do. (laughs) 
Uh, Will writes in, it's not Switch exclusive, but Hollow Knight is the game that I've put the most time into. I, I absolutely know, loved it. I know some people that are really, really all about that game. I've, I've heard wonderful things about Hollow Knight. So, that being said, uh, we get to our main topic today. Uh, we are talking two years of the Nintendo Switch. Happy birthday, Switch. We've got a lot of, of Nintendo news additionally. Uh, starting with Reggie. Poor Reggie. Actually, well, not really poor Reggie. Poor Reggie fans. He's poor doing yeah, fans. yeah, I would say. Reggie's uh, doing just fine. <laughs> Reggie is leaving on his terms. Um, February 21st. Uh, the longtime Nintendo of America president announced his retirement from the company, and uh, he he had a very so since 2003. But he he left a very touching video. Always loved his personality. He's always been the right guy for that role. And uh, I think fans uh, of gaming in general, whether you're a Nintendo fan or not specifically, are going to miss the guy and all he brought to the brand. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely miss him too. He's been a great ambassador for Nintendo. Um, passion was evident. In, in everything he did for it. And he was a great on-screen personality. The guy was just bursting with charisma. Um, there's so many different memes and uh, online jokes that you know trail back to him, um, including My Body is Ready, um, his debut um, debut years, I should say, when he was showing off the, the original DS for the first time. Um, he's just, he's been such a great, he's, you know, he's been a character in himself in a way, you know, he's just, he's got so much personality. He he's, is a character so vi- himself. he's so vibrant. He's just, I mean, he was a perfect fit as, you know, the, the main, uh, the main figure for Nintendo in the, in, you know, in the, the media and the market like that. They should write him in to, uh, to future games. They should put him in Super Smash Brothers. It's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> exactly what I was thinking. Free DLC right there. Um, the most amazing thing in all of this to me is that. His successor is named Doug Bowser. Oh yeah, they're, they're the I jokes. I can't believe it. The jokes have just been through the roof. I can't believe it. Uh, it's it's amazing. It's like if someone's last name was Master Chief for for Microsoft. It's it's, it's he's, incredible. He's been with the company for a long time. Like Doug uh, Bowser has been with Nintendo for several years now. Been the vice president of right. sales since 2015. So uh, you can check out uh, Reggie's farewell video, or announcement video, I should say, uh, right uh, at thegeekiverse.com. Just search Reggie. First yeah. thing that comes up. But two years of Switch, originally codenamed NX. Yes. <laughs> and I still call it that from time to time. Yeah. Uh, we had a lot of fun speculating about it. I remember, exact, I remember the exact video where you and I sat down to speculate about it, actually. <laughs> Do you really? No, I remember. Oh, yeah. Because I, it was right around the time that... Things were just kind of uncertain in the world of Nintendo. Breath of the Wild had just, well, actually, we didn't even know it was Breath of the Wild at the time. We just no. knew it was Zelda Wii U. It had just gotten delayed again. Um, we didn't we didn't know that this was a console handheld hybrid. We just knew Nintendo NX. You know, by that point, we were like four years into the into the Wii U's life cycle, and they're already announcing a new console because the Wii U had just been such a disaster. It was. It, I remember that was a very that spring season was a very weird time for Nintendo. It was incredible course correction, and yes. it not only <laughs> restored the Nintendo brand, but boy, did it take it to a new level. The, the Nintendo Switch that is. Uh, I remember sitting in our in my kitchen podcasting about this. Actually, uh, Beta was on that podcast, and we we speculated, and it was very exciting times. I remember watching. Uh, we all covered the direct together, I believe, right? Uh huh. For the it was late. 
Oh yeah, because it was, it was like air, one it in the morning or something. It was airing here. live from Japan, so we were like nine hours behind them. I pre-orders think. went or, up right away. I can't remember. I can't remember if Japan is ahead or behind us. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But yeah, it was it was like one two in the morning. We were watching it. That's incredible. It was a good time. It was Yumi, Beta, and Sam. Yes. And uh, we, I think we did a Google Hangout. We did. Uh, good then, times. Because then, I, then I heard Lindy barking on your end, <laughs> and then the the dog that I regular bi- uh, dogs it, a lovely little golden retriever named Maggie, heard Lindy barking and got very very intrigued <laughs> by that. So I had to tell her to calm down. That's uh, yeah. If you hear a dog barking from time to time, that is my black lab, Lindy Ruff. Yes, named after the former Sabres coach. Don't want to talk about the Sabres right now. No, not at all. Uh, the system made a hot start oh. out of the gate. Woo. Sales crushed it. Sales are looking really good right now. They released figures January thirty first, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, um, that was the end of the quarter for them at the time. Um, you know, this, it, it got off to such a hot, hot start, particularly because of Breath of the Wild. I mean, that's probably the single biggest launch game of all time. What are the uh, best launch titles ever for any system? Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost kind of scary to think, like, what, you know, what would that first year have been like without Breath of the Wild? You know, like, it's you know, like a hypothetical. I have no idea. Like, what would that have been like? It's revisionist history to yeah, think exactly, about. Right, right now, I'm like, oh, the Switch would have been fine, but I don't know. Who knows? I don't know if it would have been fine. Um, uh, it's right. Well, and, and, sorry, and yeah. I, I sidetracked there for a second. Um, Switch is currently at a game confirmed thirty two point twenty seven million. It's definitely higher than that, but Nintendo has not re- uh, released any sales numbers for the quarter ending March thirty first, twenty nineteen. Good for them. Yeah, it was. Um, and we we talked a little bit about Switch figures in our last episode of Geek Scott Game and how they uh, stood up with some of the other best-selling systems of all time, and even just other Nintendo systems, how they, they started out at the gate. Um, quite the impressive library, not just of Nintendo exclusives, but of third-party publishers saying, we're going to put our, our name to this, let's get involved. Uh, Bethesda comes to mind, which is yeah. an in- incredible one. There's there's a lot coming out. The, the turnaround from that is absolutely amazing because... Before the Switch, Nintendo and Bethesda had no relationship whatsoever. In fact, there you know there were representatives from Bethesda from time to time who would just outright say, "We we can't develop for the Wii or the Wii U." You know they didn't out you know they didn't they didn't knock Nintendo, but it was very obvious that their implication was that their hardware is not up to par for us for our games. Can you believe you can play Skyrim on a ha- essentially what equates to a handheld system now? Yeah, it's yes. unbelievable. A, uh, uh, a, a system that sells well will mend any kind of bridges between like developers in, in and hockey uh, winning fixes everything exactly. while sales fixes a lot of uh-huh. gaming too uh favorite games what comes to mind two years of the switch I, I even though it is a port mario kart 8 deluxe definitely comes to mind it's just i can pick that up any day of the week two years later and it's still fun and that's even after i dumped over 100 hours into mario kart 8 on the the wii u it's just it's the definitive Mario Kart, especially with the additions that Mario Kart Eight Deluxe brought, like the battle mode, uh, the two item mechanic. It's just if if you want to play Mario Kart at its very best, that's the game for it. You can pick it up any any day of the week and hold a candle to me when I'm playing. It's it's oh, great. Yeah, get out of here, buddy. <laughs> okay, okay. I've been smoking you for two years straight now. <laughs> I, I guess that's that's somewhat accurate. Uh, you know what? My uh, my favorite game on the Switch is Super Mario Odyssey. Yeah. Just uh, I wrote this on uh, our Instagram. 
something special about that game. I don't know if it was the time it came out. Uh, you know, so many different elements culminated in that being one of my favorite games in a long time, and that's saying a lot for me. Um, that theme song, my goodness, it just always gets stuck in my head. It's so beautiful, and it's fun, and it's jazzy, and the the cappy mechanics were wonderful. Like just a wonderful addition to the Mario franchise as a whole and a good character in the, in terms of the lore. I like the, uh, it's funny to say, cause there's not much deviation, but I like the story. Like it was charming. It was fun. And that was a game I couldn't put down. I just, I uh, wanted to go right through it. And it's a game that I would love to go back to. And a game I probably will go back to as soon as I kind of chisel down this backlog. But um, well, that's that's a game that if you want a hundred percent, you'll be there for a long, long time. Because but it, it also feels attainable. It doesn't feel crazy. Oh, sure, you know? sure. I found that right balance to me. I, I remember describing it in my review for the Geekiverse that if you want to experience just the bare minimum of Mario Odyssey, you, it doesn't demand a, a lot of commitment. No. But if you want a hundred percent, if you want to, if you want to do every last task that that game offers you, you're going to be there forever because there is just so many different collectibles and power moons to find, so many little secrets yeah. that you can just uncover across the different worlds. That game is jam-packed. It's uh, it's it's a beauty. That is my favorite Switch game today. I love Mario Kart as well. Yeah. Of course, that's a classic. Um, Breath of the Wild, you you got to mention. Yeah, I, I really do. Um, you know, I and I, I tell people this. Breath of the Wild was not exactly what I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be what would, you know, for me be the definitive ultimate greatest, you know, no denying it greatest Zelda of all time and it wasn't but I do respect so much of what it did for the franchise it created this absolutely awesome foundation for the series going forward especially as it transitioned to HD um it, in my opinion it's the best open world it's the best overworld of all time okay um you know I, there's you know I have some gripes with the game as a whole but I think that overworld with its game mechanics um the way everything was laid out I think it is the it has like some of the best action adventure mechanics ever. Does any if you can name one memory of the game at all, whether anything come to yeah. mind? I'm just going to leave it at that. Yes, I've got an answer as well. For me, it, the the one that really stands out was the very first Divine Beast that I did. Okay. Because when I jumped in there, I could not figure out for the life of me what the point of the dungeon was. I probably walked around for about 20 minutes without doing anything. Like, I couldn't even start the first puzzle because I didn't realize, like, what the gimmick of the dungeon was. Um, I've played Zelda games my whole life, and I'm, I, I just I go back to that instinct that, okay, I got to find, like, you know, the primary item of the dungeon and, you know, solve all the find the keys. Keys were such a big thing in Zelda dungeons in the past, and the Divine Beasts are nothing like that. And once I eventually realized that you quite literally control the dungeon itself, it was the greatest aha moment of my life for video games. <laughs> like, that light bulb went off, and it, I was just... I was so impressed that they were able to basically, they gave you control over the dungeon itself. Literally the physical structure you would control the movements of. And the very first divine beast that I did was Varuta, which is the one that's based on like an elephant kind of creature. That sequence where you control its trunk and you have to traverse the trunk as it's moving is to me, one of the greatest puzzles of in any Zelda game ever, that, it always reminded me of Legolas. Yeah, like Richard. Sure, yeah. with the Oliphant. Yeah, yeah. But the way that they were able to combine puzzle solving with a sense of scale like that, I had never seen that before. 
just like I said, the scale and the scope of that, it's it's gigantic. And yet it's you're taking that very small, very simple element of puzzle solving, but you're putting it into something with all this grandeur, all this blown away by that first divine beast. My uh, my memory, and that's a good one, is a little bit simple, but it was booting up the game for the first time because it was really the first time I booted up my Switch release day. I stayed up late. I had a long day. I had work and stuff to do after that. Finally got to Best Buy and got my my console. Uh, I think they... I don't know if they did it right at midnight. But anyway, uh, booting up for the first time. And the first time the camera pans around the land and you kind of see the vastness of everything before the Breath of the Wild logo comes up on screen. I got goosebumps right now. I had goosebumps then. And the way the music kind of just comes in, it's gentle, it's peaceful, yet it's broad. It's it's massive. The way that all culminated in just an opening, just the first impression to me, I won't I won't ever forget it. And that was my introduction, basically, to Zelda. Right. That was my, hey, I'm jumping in, this is where I'm going. And uh, it was a beautiful beautiful moment and you're not alone in that there's a lot of people who picked up breath of the wild playing a zelda game for the very first time that's for sure obviously left a great impression on them because the game has just been wildly successful yes it has um it's funny you know jeff and i do a lot of things together not just uh at the gigaverse just in in general we do we're best friends we are been Uh, that way for a long long time but over half our lives now so we 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 co-host podcast we've co-hosted panels at uh at events, and that was the first review we co-wrote. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, not that we've done many, but uh, that was one that we wanted to tackle together because I wanted to to kind of tackle a broad game like that and a launch game at that, and uh, I needed Jeff's expertise of past Zelda experience, a lot of Zelda experience, where uh, we kind of had two perspectives. I was the newbie coming in, and he was the seasoned vet. So uh, that was uh, that was a fun one to to kind of write and go through and get our different opinions of the game and that's I encourage you to check that out. Uh, we'll we'll post the link right in the article that you can find at thegeekiverse.com. Did you ever get around to the DLC for Breath of the Wild? No, I never even finished the actually the the yeah. whole uh, main story. Right, but uh, you you played quite a bit of the DLC. Yeah, um, for, uh, what do you call it the the first one which released just a couple months after it came out. Um, Trials of the Sword, sorry, Trial of the Sword, one of the best challenge dungeons in any Zelda game ever. Actually, I would go as far as to say it is the best challenge mode in any Zelda game ever. That's saying a lot. The, the, it, was, it, it, just, it really encapsulated all of the best elements of the gameplay between the stealth mechanics, the item conservation, thinking on the fly, being resourceful, hard as hell too. One of the best, one of the best most organic challenges you like you, you, you know how there are some games that are just like artificially difficult yeah not oh, and, yeah. I, and i don't like to use the word cheap because that's so simple but there are definitely games where it's like the challenge doesn't feel natural they took a slider and moved it up essentially yeah, yeah. where it's it's obviously like they didn't they didn't think how to make it more difficult they just you know took they just gave something yeah, that's just stupidly took what feels to be the easy way yeah. out, even if it wasn't Trial of the Sword is such an organic, super satisfying challenge. We've uh, we've had some some incredible games over the years. We we also had Splatoon uh, yeah. come to the Switch. We've had um, Splatoon Two is so much fun. Smash Brothers, uh, which has been a mega success. Uh, Do you want to know something crazy about Smash? Yeah, over twelve million copies sold within those first three weeks of Dece- sorry of 
that it was released because it came out December 7th. So it basically had like three and a half weeks to sell. That's amazing. It did 12 million. It's, I can't even imagine what it's at right now because it's, we're, we're in the, we're early March here. So more copies of that sold than we use. Uh, yeah, it, it's it, it, if it hasn't already, it's going to. Yeah, the and actually, like the best-selling Switch software to this to the point that we know official stats is Mario Kart Eight Deluxe with 15 million copies. Smash is going to blow past that. Man, actually, I mean, by the time that Nintendo releases their next, you know, financial report, I wouldn't be surprised if Smash has already surpassed that. Yeah, me neither. Uh, so we've had a lot of success. We've had a lot of nice titles so far. On the horizon, we've got uh, got a nice summer ahead, a nice year ahead, as well as after that, we've got a Metroid on its way. It's Someday, a little bit down the line. Someday, uh, lots going on for Nintendo Switch fans. We've had a great first two years. I look forward to the next two. That about wraps up our show here. Any wrap closing thoughts on the Switch? Um, no, I mean nothing. Nothing different from what you said. Looking forward to a really good summer. It's uh, they're jam packed with titles. Everyone I know summer. has a Switch, and it's great. <laughs> it's uh, it's the way to be these days in in gaming. I'm just so grateful that Nintendo is you know back in the mainstream again. They are. They and uh, it it's wasn't easy for them to get there. And no. and if the Switch failed, Nintendo I'm not thinking about. Nope, nope, nope. Not entertaining it. Nope, 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 nope. Not even thinking about. Stop it. Get out of here. Damn it, Pavlak. <laughs> All right, we're going to gonna get out of here. <laughs> we're going to uh, wrap things up here. Thank you so much for listening to Geek Scott Games today. few things going on here at the Geekiverse. It's about to be crazy busy season for us, and that's the way we like it here. Uh, con season, we are proud sponsors of Nickel City Con. So every Friday, we are giving away a Friday pass to Nickel City Con, which is the weekend of May 18th at the Buffalo Niagara Convention Center. We'll be there all weekend. You'll hear us all over the place. You'll see us all over the place. We can't wait. Uh, David Adams does a great job with that event. Go to our Facebook this Friday, facebook.com slash the Geekiverse, like our page, share the status, and like the official Nickel City Con page, and you will be entered into a random drawing for a free Friday pass. So that, again, that's the weekend of May 18th. That will be here in no time at all. No, that's, I mean, we, we were talking about E3 coming up quick. Yeah. This is going to come up even quicker. That's for sure. Uh, we've got our fourth anniversary t-shirt. You can get that for $10. Only a hundred ever made. Go to the geekverse.storeenvy.com. That is store envy, S-T-O-R-E-N-V-Y. Just one E there. We'd appreciate that. And of course, as we mentioned earlier in the show, go to patreon.com slash the geekiverse. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can unlock exclusive rewards for being a subscriber there. We would appreciate any support that you'd be willing to consider. And most importantly, it allows us to keep those lights on. Uh, oh, I, I was pausing for dramatic effect. I didn't know. All right. It allows us to keep the lights on. Thank you very much. So, Pavlok, what's going on on social media and what can we expect at the Geekiverse from you? You can find me on Twitter at Jeffrey Pavs and on Instagram, Jeff Pavlok. Um, I just had a book, another book come out. Woo-hoo! I've been talking about it for a little while, and it is finally released on Amazon. A Gleaming Path, the second book in my high fantasy trilogy, The Legend of Light. Um, for those that don't know, I am also an author in my spare time. Um, if you enjoy, if you're a voracious reader, if you're a bookworm, and you like uh, such franchises like The Legend of Zelda, Chronicles of Narnia, Shannara, Earthsea, Legend of Korra, 
Um, I definitely recommend checking out The Legend of Light. I think you would uh, definitely enjoy it. For age, it had, had, you know, 11. Yeah, you could probably start at 11 years old. I, I definitely write for, you know, younger audiences to enjoy as well. For kids at heart. Yeah. Uh, it's exciting times. We're very excited here at the Geekiverse for Jeff to see that book hit the shelves. And I can't thank the Geekiverse enough for all their help with me getting that one off the ground. They're, they've uh, been instrumental in this project going forward. Super exciting indeed. Uh, go pick up your copy. Get it right through Amazon. Exactly, yes. You could get it on Amazon in print or, or um, all Kindle platforms. Even better, buy a copy. Come visit us at Nickel City Con or the next Geek Hangout, which we'll talk about shortly, and uh, get a signature from Jeff. Get an autograph. I'd love to. So, um, speaking of Legend of Korra, this ties into an article I want to promote. Uh, Rami Malek, he starred in Bohemian Rhapsody as the one and only Freddie Mercury. He's been in a lot of stuff over the years. I wrote an article on 10 things you probably didn't know that he was involved in, one of which is Legend of Korra. Which I didn't even know about. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. Uh, The most shocking thing on that list to me was Halo 2, but go check it out at thegeekiverse.com. It's 10 things Rami Malek was in that you didn't know about. And uh, I've got a lot coming up myself, uh, including an article. I don't know when I'm going to get to this. I'm hoping to get it uh, by the time you're actually listening to this. It just depends on where we are on the content list. However, um, Marvel Games Universe. This is something that I've kind of made up in my mind. Uh, Just a proposed who would develop what game if there was something that mirrored the MCU, uh, which is exciting. That's probably the last thing I want to promote right now is it's Captain Marvel week at uh, at the Geekiverse. A uh, movie we've all been waiting for for a long time. So in just a few days, you're going to hear Pavlok and I on another podcast. Uh, it'll be our Captain Marvel spoiler cast. That's our first one of the year? Yeah, wow. if I'm not mistaken. Jeez, it's been a while. Uh-huh. Okay, good. We'll get our spoilers on. Can't wait for that. Uh, so uh, spoiler cast, we're going to talk about the movie from head to toe, everything about it, and uh, can't wait. Can't wait to finally get there. Then it's Road to Avengers Endgame after that. So, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Josiah D. Leroy. I'd love to talk anything Geekiverse with you. For everything community, uh, go to Facebook.com slash The Geekiverse. Get in the discussion there. We want to talk with you about games, TV, comics, and movies. And we've got an exciting announcement coming up about our YouTube channel. We've got some new contributors there. Uh, from another channel that we've enjoyed ourselves. So, for Jeff Pavlock, I'm Josiah Leroy. Thank you so much for giving up your time. We will see you soon. We will see you soon. Nailed it. You can edit that one, right? I could. I think you should. Probably. I think you should.
You did.